Lone Star Cowboy Church. How's everybody doing today? I'm going to tell you, I'm so honored. I'm always honored when Pastor Randy asks me to do this. And I love getting to be home with family. Y'all know that feeling when you're on the go a lot and then you get to be around family and you kind of get to just let loose a little bit? Okay, well, good. I'm glad you feel that way because let me just tell you, um, since we, since Phil and I have stepped out full-time with One Loud Voice, we've been going a lot and we've been traveling a lot. And just recently, I flew to Tulsa to do a women's conference and a lot of times I'll take my daughter with me, but this particular time I took a friend and some things went down that I can't just tell anybody, but I can tell family. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like when you're like, it's not gossip. I'm not, we're online. It's our, like, look, it's not that. But you know what I'm talking about? Well, it's like, oh. And then you get with your family. You're like, you're not going to believe what just happened. Okay, this is one of those moments. So since I'm with my family, y'all ready for this? Okay, so we, my friend Allison went with me to Tulsa. And we were, we get off this little B plane and we get in our little rental car and we're driving around Tulsa. And I was talking about hell. Um, Tulsa's the belt buckle of the Bible belt. Like every two feet is another church. And they, yeah, church on the move, church on the hill, church on the mountain, church on the go, church on this, church on the that. You know, it's everywhere. It's really cool. They've got some fantastic churches in Tulsa. But Oklahoma has also legalized marijuana. And we got into an area of Tulsa that we didn't know where we were at. And I said, well, watch out. They're going to have a church on the stuff somewhere around here. And she's like, really? I said, no. No, I just made that up, but that was funny. And she's like, okay, let's get out of here, right? And so the, the church we were at, fantastic church right outside of Tulsa. The conference was amazing, okay? This church did it well. They took care of us. It was great. But we, we get to our hotel, and we check in, and we walk in. And y'all, I know you've probably seen those commercials about, do you want your home to smell like a, a five-star hotel? This hotel smelled amazing. I was like, girl, what is that smell? She's like, Amber, ask them. I want, I was like, who am I supposed to ask? And so it just smelled so good. Both of us were just blown away. We did not know that the blown away smell was because they were hiding other things. Okay. So we get to the little front desk and um, they, you know, they were like, we're so glad you're here and you're on the first floor. I was like, oh, that's great, whatever. And so we're walking right past the elevator, and Allison goes, that's why we're on the first floor. This elevator, this thing was broke, and it didn't have, like, tape, a warning sign. It's not a little chicken scratch note that says, doesn't work, don't get on, and it just gaped open, like small children could fall in or whatever, you know, and right across from the elevator was the public restroom. It's important that you know that. Two doors down from the elevator is our room. We get set up, and we go to the conference that night. Fantastic, whatever. Get back next morning. We're gearing up to leave, and we're going to leave early because we're going to get good coffee. And that's important. If you didn't know, that was important. It's important. And um, so I hear, Allison doesn't hear that. I know it's housekeeping, but this little lady just opens the door, and she has a clipboard in her hand. Nothing else, just a clipboard. And... Allison is the friend that does not have a poker face. You don't, you don't, if something weird's happening, you want to be there to watch her, but you don't want to be there trying to explain why her face, she's just like, oh. so the lady walks in and Allison gets shocked and I just giggle and I'm like, yeah, we're about to leave. And she said, well, where, where are you, why are you guys here? And we told her we were with this conference and she said, oh, that's my church. I go to Bible study there. I was supposed to go to the conference, but I had to work. And so as we're leaving, we said, hey, the little soap dispenser's almost out of soap. And she said, I'll take care of it. Cool. We leave. We go get our coffee. We're in line at Starbucks. And I said, Allison. And some of you are like, that's the devil's coffee. Look, we took what we could get and we prayed over it, okay? So y'all can stop your judgment right now. People are getting up and leaving. They're like, it's Starbucks. It's like, oh, come down, come down. We didn't smoke pot. How about that? <laughs> Gosh. So we're in line. <laughs> and I said, Allison, I forgot, I forgot to take my medicine this morning. And she said, well, this, we've got time. Don't you think we can go back and get it? And I said, well, sure, I think so. And so I said, well, thank you for not being like 
upset about it, but she kept telling everybody she was my assistant. She was not my assistant. I don't have an assistant. So people are like, who are you? She's like, I'm Amber's assistant. I'm like, no, she's not. She's my friend. Whatever. Anyway, so we get back to the hotel. I pull up underneath that, that overhang area, and I go in. We've been gone 12, 15 minutes tops. Take my little key, hit the door, go in. When you walk in, to my left is the restroom. Remember, we're family, okay? <laughs> Sitting on the toilet was the clipboard lady. <laughs> Door wide open, on speakerphone with a man that she's telling he needs to go across the street and apply for the job over there because they pay better. And what do I do? Because I'm the most awkward human being that ever walked the face of the earth. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she said, it's okay. <laughs> she just sat there. So I rush over to get my suitcase and I'm, I don't know why I'm there. I don't know what medicine I'm looking for. I'm still apologizing and I'm, I'm fumbling through and I find it. I run over a little mini fridge, get water, I'm taking it. She finishes whatever she's doing, and she flushes the toilet, and she goes to wash her hands, and she yells from the bathroom, you're right, you're almost out of soap. <laughs> what did I say? I I'm sorry. <laughs> she dries her hand on our hand towel. I pack everything up, I leave. Allison sees my face, now it's my face. She's like, what? And I said, remember that little clipboard lady? She's like, yes. I said, she was using the bathroom in her bathroom. She's like, what? There was a bathroom like two doors down. I said, well, she obviously couldn't make it. She stopped where she was at. <laughs> She's like, Amber. And I said, Allison, I love friends that you know you can say things and they just, oh. I said, your toothbrush was still sitting on that counter. She's like, Amber, we're going to have to stop and get soap, Clorox wipes, and I have to get a new toothbrush. And I said, I know, I know. And so, you know, we, we were just so blown away by that moment. And to be honest, I hear all kinds of horror stories. I never expected to walk into to my hotel room. And number one, she just didn't even care. That was another thing. She was just like, this is normal. I do this in every room. I don't know. I, I did not expect it. And I've been thinking about that a little bit, about how we react when things happen that we don't expect. How many things in our life happen that you're like, well, I didn't expect that. I don't, didn't plan for that. And maybe it's not something as weird as the cleaning lady using your restroom at your hotel. But what about things like I go in for a routine checkup and I get a diagnosis I wasn't expecting? What about... I've worked really hard in investing in this friendship or this relationship or, hold on, this marriage. And then it didn't work out. And God, I prayed and I trusted you. That did not go as I expected. What about I have worked so hard at this job? I've put in the extra hours. I've shown up early. I've left late. I was in line for the promotion, but that guy got it. He just started here. He didn't even know what he's doing. That's my promotion. How about I've raised my children in church, and as adults, they're not walking with the Lord. This is not what I expected. And I could sit here really with you guys for like two hours and we could talk about all the things that could happen in life that were not expected. And some of them are funny, some of them are not. But the reality is all of them can throw us off just a little bit. Y'all have all been to Walmart late at night. If you're like, I haven't, well, you got yourself a field trip to plan and you need to go experience this. Or you can go online to people of Walmart and see it for yourself. But the reality is when we see things, when things happen that are not what we expect, our response, I want you to get this, is our responsibility. And we, when we have a plan and the plan goes south, or when we are expecting God to do something that God doesn't do, 
oftentimes we react in a way that maybe is not pleasant. So I want to tell you, I want to give you a heads up. I don't have a typical sermon for you today. This is not a three-point sermon, and we're going to close up with a question. Nothing wrong with that. I do that all the time. But this is this, where we're going to, what we're going to do today is basically, I'm going to invite you to the table. Um, I've been studying this, this chapter. I've read this 60 plus times, multiple translations. And God, I've just, God has just been taking me through, combing through this scripture on what to do, on a response with something that happened with when it was not expected. And what are we going to learn from that? And I just, the more I was like, okay, how can I, what points can I make? And I'm like, you know what? These are, this is family. These people online, this, we do, we do, these are our family. So I'm inviting you to come to the table. And instead of us having a sermon, we're going to study the word together this morning. Is that all right? Okay, good. I'm glad you said yes, because you're here and I'm here and this is what we're doing. So um, let's just, let's just open in prayer again real quick. Let's just ask, invite God into this moment. Lord Jesus, as we just tap into your word, God, I ask that our hearts be prepared, that our understanding be there, Lord, that you show us what we individually need to see. Thank you, God, that your word is alive and active and sharp, and it changes us, and it moves us. And Lord, I thank you that every single one of us need it in our lives. We love you. We thank you. We invite you into this in your name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. If you have your phone, I encourage you to jump on. I'm in the New Living Translation, so you can follow along with me there. Um, and we're going to just camp in 1 Kings chapter 19 today. 1 Kings 19, New Living Translation, and let's, let's hit this. It says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Let me give you a little recap. I actually, back in May, was here and preached on 1 Kings 18. People were like, you only like 1 Kings? No, it just is coincidence. Here we go. But there's a big difference between 1 Kings 18 and 1 Kings 19. So when you look at 1 Kings 18, what had just happened was there had been three years of drought. No water, nothing. And Elijah, as a prophet of God, challenges 450 prophets of Baal. Let's figure out whose God is real. You build an altar, I'll build an altar. Whoever's God is real will set the altar on fire. You down? They're like, we're down. So they, they go to blows, and all of a sudden, nothing happens with Baal. Obviously, Elijah prays. God strikes the altar. It, after, he saturates it with water, right? Like, Elijah's a little bougie here, right? He's like, let me show you how big my God is. And prays. God strikes it with water. And then all of a sudden, all of God's people who had been worshiping Baal, who had been playing with other gods, their eyes are opened and they're like, our God is real. And so they went from the Mount, they were on Mount Carmel and down into the Kishon Valley. And Elijah said, kill them, kill all of them. So all 450 prophets of Baal were killed. Not one left alive. One man, obedience, chapter 18. Then he turns to King Ahab and says, God's going to send rain. Why don't you go get yourself something to eat? And Elijah goes to the top of the mountain and he gets into a fetal position type move, I don't know. And he begins to pray and he has this guy who is his servant, but it's his armor bearer, his right hand man. And he, this guy has been with him. I need you to understand this is important to know. He says, go and see if there's a cloud. Scripture says seven times he went, and finally the last time he came back, he was like, there's a cloud the size of a fist, and he says, run, tell Ahab to get in his chariot, go home, rain's coming, and he didn't want to get stuck here. So the servant runs and tells Ahab, and God, and after God had just done what God had done, the Bible says that a supernatural power came over Elijah, and he outruns King Ahab, who was in a chariot, led by horses, 
for nearly 20 miles. Usain Bolt has nothing on this dude. 20 miles. I don't know, just running 20 miles just stresses me out thinking about it, much less having to chase a chariot or whatever, you know? But this is what's happening. So after all of this, I think it's fair to say that Elijah in his mind expected Jezebel's response to look different. I just killed 450 prophets of Baal. You have been without water. You have been in a drought. My God brought water. My God delivered. My God is real. Your God doesn't exist. So it's very easy to assume maybe he expected Ahab and Jezebel to have this awakening and be like, wow, God is real and for things to be different. I don't know. But I can promise you he didn't expect the response he got because we see that in his reaction. He goes from being this big time, trusting God, running after God, to this moment. But that's the way the enemy plays, right? Because, see, here's the thing. Here's what you got to get. The enemy knows he loses. When it's all said and done and Jesus comes back, Satan already knows how that goes. But he's still playing. And when you know you're going to lose and you're still playing, what do you do? You play dirty right? Let's be honest. He's playing dirty. So for, Je- for uh, Elijah to think that Jezebel would respond a different way and for her to respond the way she did and for it to throw him off, this is where we're at with this unexpected response. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. The guy who just outran a chariot and killed 450 men is upset by what this dumb woman's saying. And he is afraid and he flees for his life. I want y'all to get this. Unmet expectations can cause all kinds of responses, including fear. When we're like, well, it's supposed to go this way, and then it doesn't go this way, we're left in this moment. Do we trust God who's in control, or are we trusting circumstances that don't look like we think they're supposed to look? He got afraid. He ran away. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when desire is fulfilled, it's the tree of life. Hope is expectation. His expectation was deferred. This is not what I expect. Goes on and it says, he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah. Y'all gotta get this, man. This, this, I'm like, call me through this. This just freaked me out. It blew me away. It convicted me. It says, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. First of all, what do we do? Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, what do we do when things happen that we didn't expect? When something about us privately is exposed publicly? What happens when we get embarrassed? What happens when something fails? What happens when it's too much? What happens when we can't put the mask on anymore and pretend like we have it all together? What do we do? We isolate ourselves. I can't just, I just can't people today. We pull away from everybody. Like if you guys get this, 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 this right here, we could stop here. This will change your life. I'm telling you. His servant. That was not just his servant. That was the dude in chapter 18 that had his back. That was his right-hand man. That was his armor bearer. That was the one that ran seven times looking for rain. And Elijah in fear says, stay here. I'm going off by myself. It's dangerous, y'all. It's dangerous when in moments of, under, of like a lack of understanding or when things don't go as expected, when we remove ourselves from community. It's dangerous. It's dangerous because what happens is we move ourselves from the herd. That's been the enemy's plan all along. He wants to remove us from the body. Get away from the people who can have your back. Listen, as a lover of rap music... I, I, have a, I have a lot of appreciation for a hype man. That person that's just always there like, yeah. Like Christian, secular, whatever, every rap video, there's always one dude that all, doesn't do anything with his life except for be like, yeah. I love that guy. Because it doesn't matter how bad it is. He's like, yeah. And you're like, yeah. 
Yeah. Go, if you're a parent, go back to when your kids first started playing sports, t-ball, soccer. They didn't know what they were doing. But you hyped them up. Why? Because you didn't want them to quit. Why would you do that? Because we understand as parents, but it's time we understand as the body of Christ, we got to hype each other up. When we're down, when we're discouraged, when we see somebody defeated because something didn't go as expected, we have to step in and hype them up. My niece's first t-ball game was the funniest thing I've ever been to in my life. These kids had too much sugar that morning. They were feral, everybody, both teams, feral children. But they weren't mine, so it was fun, right? You're like, these are, I don't have to take any of these people home. So she's the first to hit the ball and make it to base, but she went to third base instead of first base. And then she went to second base. And by the time she got to second base, both sides of parents were just excited. People are cheering. Dads are high-fiving each other, beating their chest. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. She stops at second base, looks at us, and waves. We all wave back. You're doing it, kids. She's doing it backwards, but she's doing it. <laughs> there is value in having people in your corner when things aren't going right. Stop pretending like the only time you need people is when you have it all together. Because the reality is this. Elijah wouldn't have been in the situation he's in in the next few verses if he would have taken his servant with him because his servant would have been like, hey, yo, I was just there, man. We just saw what God did. Why are you letting this woman freak you out? Why are you letting her upset you? What's the problem? But instead, he isolates himself away from it all. Verse goes on to say, he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. So when things don't go as expected, and then we respond in fear, and it allows us to be isolated, that's what opens the door for things like depression and anxiety. People don't just wake up depressed. It's a process. And you can say, well, it's a chemical thing in your brain. Yeah, but where did it start? You don't think the enemy knows what he's doing? You don't think that he's messing with people? You don't think he's working overtime? Look at me, you people that have been in church since you were little, you don't think the enemy's like, he's not like, well, they passed the mark, I'm gonna let up. He's not letting up, he plays dirty. And when things don't go our way and we respond in a way that's different than what God's asking us to respond and we begin to be led by our emotions, we isolate ourselves, we find ourselves in a place where we're like, I can't do it anymore. You may not be wanting to give up on your life, but what about giving up on Jesus? What about giving up on your marriage? What about giving up on your children? We find ourselves in these places when things happen that are outside of our expectation. So what tactic has the enemy used since the beginning of time? Come over here. Let me get you away. He does it with like, go watch National Geographic. You can see him with like wildebeest and stuff. He just gets the little ones out. He wants to get us away from the people. Y'all listen, like y'all gotta get this. There are people in your life that are this close to stepping away. You gotta start speaking truth. You gotta bring them onto the inside. We gotta start having each other's back. This is more than making a casserole and dropping it off at somebody's house. We need to be in each other's business. We need to say, no, you're not going out into that wilderness by yourself. Let me pack a bag. You need to hear the truth. You need to know you're not alone. The enemy wants to isolate us. And you know what's funny is we're like, I just, I, you know, and you see this a lot with people who are grieving. I just can't be alone with my thoughts because that's where I just, get, I really struggle. Here's the thing, y'all. We're never alone with our thoughts because scripture is full of examples of how this is where the battlefield's at. The enemy's never gonna let up on your thoughts. And just because you're keeping yourself busy doesn't mean he's letting up. You don't need to just be busy. You need to be feeding yourself truth. You need to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Who was God in the last chapter? What was this God doing? And it may not look right in this chapter yet, but he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. 
Like what, what's happening here? So then let's pick up in verse five. It says, then he laid down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some baked bread and, a hot, and on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and he lay back down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up, he ate and drank. The food gave him enough strength to travel for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. We underestimate the power of rest and sustenance. I don't know why in this country we pride ourselves in working ourselves to death. We think our value is look at how much land I have, look at my house, look at the vehicles I drive, look at all the extracurricular things my kids are into and they're killing themselves to keep up with it. Look at this life. I read a thing the other day that said no one on their deathbed says, I regret not working more hours. Our creation started in rest. Jesus set the example multiple times. Rest is necessary. And I just want to challenge you because this is challenging the mess out of me. Maybe next time something happens that was not what you expected, instead of reacting, maybe you just need to take a break and rest. Maybe take a nap. Maybe you need to eat something. If you had toddlers, you completely understand this. Because you have these beautiful little babies, they're just so, oh, they're so pretty and so beautiful. And all of a sudden, they manifest, well, you think it might be the devil. You're like, I don't know what this is. And they're flopping around like a fish out of water. And you're like, that's from your daddy's side because we don't do that on our side. <laughs> uh-uh. And you know, like the first time that happens, you're like calling your mom. You're calling, I need help, help. You got people over there praying. You're like, oh, they... The kid needs a nap and a snack. <laughs> like, we get that as parents. Our Heavenly Father gets that too. Sometimes we just need to stop trying to solve all the world's problems and realize we can't. Let's rest. Take a nap. Today, if your world's overwhelmed, go home and take a nap. You can say, well, that lady gave me permission. I'm not your boss. Like, you're grown. Do your thing. I think Sunday naps are the greatest things ever. But I, and revival broke out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we're fighting to prove something to someone and maybe ourselves. But I, I challenge you to ask yourself, are you taking care of you? How are you doing? Are you okay? I'm going to fake it till I make it. Show me where that's biblical. Oh, I'm just going to, you know, I can sleep when I die. Again, show me where that's biblical. He said, you need to rest. You need to eat. It's okay. Then verse 9. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I want you to understand the tone of what God is asking. God didn't need to hear to understand. God wasn't like, what? I did not see you coming. <laughs> he was not confused. But he did, however, understand that maybe Elijah needed to talk it out so Elijah could understand why. All the verbal processors in the room, amen, right? God understood. He needs to talk this out. God's tone, God's question was like, Hey, buddy, why are you here? What's going on? Giving him a safe place to explain, even if Elijah didn't fully understand. So check out this next part. Verse 10. Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. This to me is the coolest moment for God allowing Elijah a safe place to vent. Some of you, you need to vent, and you're venting to everybody that'll listen. Do you know there's nothing you can say to God that'll upset him? Well, I got to be real Christian with God. Why? He hears you when you're not. 
you can vent to him. He understands. And he is postured to hear and listen and help you understand. So then, this is what God says to him. He says, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, this is so good. The Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood on the entrance of the cave and a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? I want to feel this for a minute. Some of you are like, I'm not a feeler. Well, today we're going to all feel this together. What are you doing here, Elijah? Look at our world. Right now, you can say, I don't, I don't watch the news, I just watch Facebook. Well, there, if that's where you're getting your information, that's part of the problem, right? But we can look at our world and we can see what's happening and we can find ourselves, and maybe not you, maybe you're more spiritual than me, but we can find ourselves looking at what's happening in our world and in a moment going, God, where are you? This is not, why is this happening? Why are these things happening? Why are you allowing this? And we can find ourselves questioning God because this is not what we were expecting. There's storms, guys. There's earthquakes. There are fires. There are wars, rumors of wars. And just like Elijah, in all the chaos, hear me, in all the chaos that's happening, God's not in that chaos. But he's still in the whisper. He's still speaking. He hasn't moved. He hasn't changed. Like, y'all got to get this. The Elijah of chapter 18 looks very different than the Elijah of chapter 19, even though it's the same person. And that's us, right? We have moments. The God of chapter 18 is exactly the same as the God of chapter 19, as the God of Genesis 1, as the God of 2023. He's the same. A child psychologist, one time I was watching this thing, he said, somebody was asking him, how do you handle a child who's having a tantrum? And he said, try this. Don't respond loudly. Whisper. I'm like, my mom and daddy never heard that. <laughs> I'm like, how's that going to work? I won't say which one of my kids, but one of my kids shortly thereafter did the fish out of water thing, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. And I thought about it, and I was like, okay. And I, I got down on my knees while this child is, every, look, I'm not going to lie. I wanted to just pop him. I'm not going to lie. But I just started talking very softly. And I started speaking the truth of the word of God over this baby's life. All of a sudden, this kid stops and looks at me. Why? Because that example has been set in Scripture. Chaos is everywhere. You can open your phone right now and within five minutes be worried, fearful, and wanting to build a, a bunker and prep for the rest of your life. But God's not in that, y'all. God's not in the storms that bring fear. I'm not saying God's not set you given us wisdom. Please don't misunderstand that. There's wisdom. There's wisdom in things. I'm not saying don't, don't go lay on a train track and go, God is so good. Don't be dumb. <laughs> wisdom. We have rights in this country. We should use those rights. But this is about <laughs> recognizing that what's causing fear is not from God. Are you listening to the whisper? Are you turning and going, God, what, what are you doing here? He's still present. He's still speaking. And it's the response to the unexpected that determines his posture. But then God asks the same question again. 
Same question, different posture. He said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And now he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? He's saying, buddy, I understand. I understand you're frustrated. I understand this wasn't what you expected. But do you remember what we've been through together? Remember when there was 450 and just you? And you called on me and I answered. Do you remember that? Do you remember because you called on me, you were able to slay all of them? Do you remember? Do you remember when you were the fastest runner in the history of any man that will ever live on this earth? Do you remember? What are you doing here, Elijah? Do you know why you ran? Do you know why you left everything where you were? Do you understand how one woman's fear-based threats the enemy used to get you out here in the middle of nowhere? What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah again replies, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Verse 15, then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. Go back the same way you came. Why? Because oftentimes, the wilderness that we're in, God didn't call us there. Here's the cool thing about our God. He'll meet us there. He didn't call Elijah to run away from Jezebel, to run away from his community, to be out there wanting to die. He didn't call him to do that. But he met him there. I believe that there's some of us in this room right now that you're in a wilderness because of fear because you're watching what's happening in our world, what's happening across the globe, and you're overwhelmed, and you're like, but it's just me, God, and we, uh, and how could you, and da, da, da. God's not in all that mess, but he'll meet you in the wilderness. And he's there, and he's speaking to us. He says, go back. And you know what I love about that? The God that met Elijah in the wilderness meet you and me in ours. The God that directed Elijah, the God that wiped out the prophets of Baal is still actively moving in our lives. And then he says, when you arrive there, now I'm going to go ahead and just heads up. There's some hard words here and I watched a whole thing on how to pronounce these words twice. Okay, so you're, if I say it wrong, have some grace. My goodness, I'm from Texas, not from the Middle East. Okay, here we go. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel Mehole, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape from Jehu will be killed by Elisha. How you and I handle unmet expectations affects other people. It affects generations. Moms, dads, hear me on this. How you handle things when they don't go your way, your kids are watching, and it impacts them. It impacts generations behind. Look, this is not, (laughs) this was not all about Elijah. And honey, I don't mean to ruffle your feathers, but it ain't all about you either. We are part of a bigger plan. Elijah was part of a bigger plan. What if he hadn't gone back and anointed them to be king? What if he hadn't passed the mantle to Elisha? What if he would have stayed in his place of sad, depression, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I think I'll go eat worms. Y'all remember that? song or whatever, that poem. That was weird. Why do we do that as a kid? That was weird. What if he would have stayed there? What, how we respond 
impacts. It's a bigger picture. And then verse 18. This is so dope. He said, yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Remember? (laughs) Elijah, who was all alone. God says, hey, buddy, there's a remnant. I know you think that my church is gone. I know you think my people are done. I'm going to, there's 7,000. I'm going to raise them up and I'm going to flip the script. Go back to where you came from. Go back. There's a remnant. I'm not done. The story's not over. Elijah went south when people or Jezebel didn't respond the way he expected. Guess what? Sometimes when people don't respond the way I expect, I don't react the way I should react. His eyes were on people in that moment, not on God. I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe he he comes up against Jezebel and he was tired and he wasn't ready for another battle. The Bible doesn't say. But I will tell you this, when he connected back with God and his expectations lined back up with God, it was easier to trust God. If you, you want to read about what's happening in our world, go to Matthew 24. It talks all about darkness that's happening. Nothing that's happening in our world, the Bible's not like, what? I did not see that coming. God told us. He warned us. Matthew 24 is full of this. And there's, there's this podcast that I was, I've been listening to um, off and on. He's kind of controversial for some. It's not a big deal. But Tim Ross, and I was watching him on YouTube, and he was, he used this example, and I personally, I, I love Tim Ross, but he used this example about if there was a, an attack against America where we lost all, electri- all electricity. Okay, listen to me. This was not prophetic. Don't go home and freak out, okay? This is something he said, what if? And he was talking about the electrical grid being attacked but then there being 33,000 people who are on solar. And I don't know, when he started talking about this, it kind of messed with me. He said, because you're home, you're living your life, and all of a sudden, boom, the U.S. is attacked, and everyone in the U.S. is without power. And then you walk outside, and it's pitch black. But in the United States, there's 33 homes. The porch light's still on. The interior lights are still on. You see who's still got the Christmas tree up? And those people in those homes are not aware of how dark it is because they're in the light. And he said, what do you think the people in the darkness would say to the people whose houses were still lit up? Man, how do you have power? How are your lights still on? Why is it so bright in your house? He said, the answer is because we're connected to a different source. I was like, oh. Matthew 24 says it's going to get darker. I don't mean to be the fun sucker, but my goodness, here's the truth. And the Bible says when you know the truth, it does what? It sets you free. It's going to get darker. The world's going to get darker. It's going to get worse. But you're not plugged into that source. So you and I both have the opportunity to allow unmet expectations to cause us to shut our own lights off and climb back into bed. Or we can trust that if God does what he does in chapter 18, chapter 19 ain't no big deal because chapter 20 is coming. Are you following me? Because people are, ooh, people should see. They should look at you and they should look at me and they should say, hey man, why is your light on? What is different about you? I'm not talking about they see religion. Do not misunderstand that. They should look at you and I and go, I am terrified this world's falling apart and you're going on vacation? You sent your pastors to Greece? What's wrong with you? You're not building a bunker. You're helping your kid redo a truck. What is wrong with you? Oh, we're plugged into a different source. We know 
Even though things don't always pan out the way we think, they pan out the right way, and God has the final say. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and guess what? God is with you. And you can tap into that, my friend. And when things don't go as expected, when you don't know what's going to happen, when you don't know what to do with your children, when your marriage is falling apart, when your finances are struggling, when God's asking you, firsthand, God's asking you to step out into something that you've never done and do something you've never done and you've got no one to ask how to do it. That wasn't the plan. Our kids are grown. People are going to start noticing. And I hope this makes you a little uncomfortable. I really do. As things get darker and progress worse and worse, if people aren't asking you what's different about you, you need to reevaluate your life. That wasn't very nice. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you need a hug? Somebody will be up here to do that for you in a little bit. I'm just playing. Unmet expectations, man, they throw us off every time. And you can be running after Jesus full force and then have your feet kicked out from underneath you in the next step. But guess what? You fall on your face, worship Jesus in that position and watch him take you to the next place. He's got you. He's holding you. What source are you tapped into? And how are you responding to these unmet expectations? Bow your heads with me all across this room. Thank you, first of all, thank you for letting me just invite you into basically my my journal of my Bible study. But man, I think it's so, if it's impacting me the way it's impacting me, I know God's using this right now for a lot of people because we do expect a lot of things. Well, this is the United States of America. God's never going to let this happen. I want to let you know what we consider What we consider persecution, other parts of the world consider Tuesday. Things aren't always going to look the way you expect it. But God is faithful. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I am with you always. I have plans for you. And if you're alive in 2023 and you think 2023 is an awful year to be alive, it's because God believes what's in you is what this world needs. What source are you plugged into? And are you caught up in unmet expectations? Are you trusting the one who called you to begin with? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I've got two questions for you. Number one, do you know Jesus? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Is he your God? Is Is he your Lord? Is he leading your life? And if the answer is no, I'm gonna tell you, it's the most important decision you'll ever make. And I would love to pray with you. If you need to invite Jesus into your life, can you slip your hand up so I can pray with you? If there's anybody in here, keep your hand up and we can put a Bible in it. If there's anybody else, we've got one right back there. Awesome. Anybody else? If you had your hand up, can you look at me? Can I pray with you? Like this is the raddest thing ever and I'm so excited about this can you come up here so I can pray with you can you come here and y'all give him a hand this is awesome this is family what's your name Bella you're beautiful Bella how old are you nine that's a big next year it's both hands right big deal okay we got somebody else coming up here we're gonna pray with both y'all is that okay I like all your bracelets, Bella. You're so accessorized. <laughs> yeah, amen. All right, ladies, here's what, what's your name? Cam. 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 Okay, here's what we're going to do. This is not a magic prayer. This isn't something all of a sudden everything's perfect. This is what it does. It invites God into our story. It invites him into our life, knowing that he has control. And that means everything you face, he's got your back. And when things don't go the way you thought they should, you can talk to him. Did you know that if, did you know if you talk to him and you're mad, he can handle it? 
Did you know that when everything else fails, he doesn't? So this is the most important decision you'll ever make. We pray. Hey, y'all repeat after me. This is about what you believe in your heart and what you speak out of your mouth. We're going to all pray together because this is what family does, okay? Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth and dying on the cross for my sins. I ask that you forgive me. Cleanse my heart. Renew my mind. And fill my life with you. Thank you, Jesus, that nothing about this world dictates the plan you have for me. Thank you, Jesus. You have a purpose for me right now in this world. I give my life to you. Give me a heart for your word. And surround me with people who will point me to you. Lots of hype men that don't let me be alone when things don't go my way. Thank you, Jesus, for community. In your name, amen. Okay. Can I hug you? Okay. Can I hug you? Okay. Okay, right over here, they would love to pray with you and get some information, so can you go talk to them real quick? One more question for you before we leave. Y'all stand up real quick. And this might, don't get uncomfortable, don't get weird. I told you guys about a lady in the bathroom, like we're all. If you can be honest and say, you know what? I've not de- dealt well always recently <laughs> with unmet expectations. I've had some fear, I've had some frustration, some anger. You may have blamed God, you may have blamed others. But you can admit right now that, you know what, you're right. God's got us. He's got us. And I need, I need to get my focus back on the one who called me, not the circumstance at hand. If that's you, can you just lift your hand? Don't worry about everybody looking at you. Cool, me too, man. I'm telling you guys, this is my journal and my Bible study. This isn't like, I have arrived, follow me. Like, no, this is where I'm at. Let's pray. Bow your heads. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for every person here, every person online. I thank you for these two salvations. God, I thank you that eternity has shifted for these two ladies. But God, I thank you right now for every single person in here that raised their hand that said, man, I've gotten caught up in unmet expectations. God, you're good, you're faithful, you're our our deliverer, you're our ever-present help in time of need. God, keep us grounded in your word. Keep us surrounded by your, your people. Help us to value community, rest, good food, and plot twist. (laughs) Jesus, I thank you that you are faithful to meet us where we're at. And you're faithful to complete what you start, even when it doesn't look the way we thought it should. We invite you, God, to help us to realign our thoughts on you and your word. We love you, Lord, in your precious name. Amen. Hey, guys, we have a prayer team up here that would love to pray with you. Love you. Thank you for being you. Go and make Jesus known, and we'll see you next week.